1: Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome once again to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and so much more, all about the world of rugby union. As always, I'm your host, David Lawrence, and tonight... I am beyond ecstatic to be welcoming a very special guest, a man whose words I've been reading and listening to for several years now. He's an international player for Ireland, a veteran coach, a pundit, analyst, and frankly, all-around amazing human being. He, of course, is Mr. Bernard Jackman. Mr. Jackman, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth. How are you this evening, and am I all right to call you Bernard?
0: i'm better after that introduction wow uh the best i've ever had uh you can call me bernard although a lot of people call me birch um which is a nickname i got in in, in first year in, in school so bernard birch whatever uh jack like uh, yeah so whatever you want
1: <laughs> well bernard I've, I've asked you here today to talk about season two of the rebranded urc among other things but first i would really love a chance to get to know you just a little bit better is that all right yeah of course so obviously I did at least a little bit of research before having you on today. Um, If I tried to go back and go over your entire career, I mean, we'd be here all night long, frankly. So a couple of uh, the highlights, if Wikipedia can be believed, uh, you played for Connacht, totaling 70 appearances between 1997 and 2005 before getting 91 appearances for Leinster over the next five years. What I can't quite discern is you got your first call up to international duty somewhere between 98 and 2000, but it's really hard to... To parse out from the sources I found. Can you tell us when you first got that that call up?
0: Yeah, so '98. I, I was only um uh, second year professional rugby and we went away to South Africa on a on an old-fashioned tour, so three test matches but five warm-up games. Um, huh. and it was Warren Gatlin was the coach. Warren Gatlin had coached me in Connacht and he brought me to to South Africa, I didn't get capped on a tour I was kind of brought as a development player so they brought five young players they felt had potential um, and I played for Ireland A that year then I went, in 2000 I went to play in England for a team called Sale Sharks, so when you went to England you were kind of you ruled yourself out of international honours um, or reckoning, so that was, I lost two years there, then I came back and I failed in medical, so I, I had a year where I went back to working as a pharmaceutical sales rep just playing wow. rugby. Um, and I got back into professional rugby in 2004 and I got capped in 2005. So, yeah, I, I had seven year wait for my first cap um, from from obviously being around international squads. And, and during those, in 2004, uh, 2005, I was in Ireland squads, but I didn't get into the match day 23. So, yeah, I, I certainly felt at times that I wasn't going to get a cap. Um, and then I was lucky enough to get capped in Japan. 2005, and I ended up getting you know nine in total, which um, you know, I'm very proud of.
1: So I've never had the chance to ask a test-level player this question. I know my listeners must be dying to hear this. Can you tell us what that was like, that moment that you first got that call, that incredible moment you no doubt had been dreaming of for years and years, then it came, what did it feel like
0: to know that you were going to represent Ireland on the international stage? Oh, look, at it. It, was, it was incredible. And I think it was even more impactful for me because – as I said, it, it you know I had to wait for it. I had to wait for uh for seven years, um. And there was times that I didn't believe it was going to happen again. You know, I just felt I was going to be one of those unlucky players who, who didn't get a cap, and for it to happen in Japan, I'd studied Japanese in university. Um, my dad and my my I just got married just before the tour. My wife was there. My father-in-law, uh, my dad isn't a great sports person, he's he works incredibly hard. So he, he never really saw me play very much. Um but for him to, to be there was was huge for me because he's he's my hero really and um I, I try and I I try and I suppose live up to the, the work ethic he he set. So yeah, very, very powerful, very emotional day to be honest. And uh, and, and you know what? In some ways it was a relief because uh it was a, a relief for me rather than excitement because effectively as I said I felt Maybe I'd miss my chance. Um, and then mm. you get one, then you want to get some more and, and you want to you win with Ireland. Yeah?
1: Well, that was my next question. In fact, um, you know, once you got that first call, I've always wondered, once it happens once, do you feel like, okay, it, like if, especially if you went out and put in a good performance, yeah. do you think, okay, fine, I'm nailed on, You know, th- this is my new job? Or is it like, oh, no, what if this never happens again?
0: No, for me, it wasn't. It was like, okay, now I have that kind of milestone out of the way. Um I was quite comfortable that I could compete at that level. I was playing I was playing against these players for connaught or Leinster with you know, with some of them for Leinster when I when I joined there. And I felt comfortable. You know, I was playing against international hookers, you know, most weeks in the Champions Cup or in the Highland Cup or in the in the Magnus League at the time. So I knew I could do it. Um but obviously that's, I, I was respectful for the competition I had. Um so yeah, it wasn't the case of, you know, it was more right, now it's the time to and to get the head down and make sure that you're able to stay at this level.
1: You know, this is a very silly little side story, but my son started playing baseball for the first time this past year and he got number two. And uh, because I watched so much rugby, he already knew that number two is the hooker. And so he put on his baseball jersey and he goes, Oh, I'm a hooker. I'm a hooker. (laughs) All the other kids were like, what, what do we do? So Here's a, a strange one for you. If you were going to sit down and compile a list of your top five moments throughout your rugby career, how many of those would be as a player, and how many would be as a coach?
0: Um, I would say uh, give me six. I'd say three and three. You know, I, I had hmm. some great days as a as a as a player. I was lucky. You know, I won the four competitions that I played in. So I won the Challenge Cup uh, with. I won the European Pine Cup with Leinster as part of the Grand Slam Six Nations win 2009, and I won the Magnus League, which is now the URC. So they were the four competitions that I played in, um, and I got to win all those, and I got to play with my home province, which is Leinster, which I'm uh, from Leinster. Um, and then as a coach, I think you know I was involved with my old school winning a schools cup, which is big for me because um, you know I loved schools rugby when I played in it. Um, we're a small school. And that was that was huge. And then in Grenoble, you know, um, beating teams like Toulouse at home or or winning away in Racing ninety two with a team who had a budget of a quarter what they had. Mm. Uh, you know, when we had to be really smart in terms of our game plan, we had to get everything right, and we did. And um so yeah, I would say it's a mixture of 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 playing. Playing playing is easy. I was just I just come from a training session there and I was talking to the other coaches and they were just saying, you know, as a player you you just have to get yourself right. You know, you arrive at training, the sessions laid out. You just got to apply yourself. And whereas a coach, obviously, you know, you're 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 always thinking about the team, thinking about strategy, thinking about the people in the team, thinking about the coaches. Um, it never, it, it's far more draining, I think, in terms of energy. Hmm. But yes, highly rewarding when when it goes well.
1: So, was there a coach when you were just a, you know a young player starting out, who you feel like you know that person's coaching? Made the difference for you bet- between being an international test player versus a lifelong club player?
0: Yeah, look, absolutely. I think, um, so Like I when I left school, I wasn't a Leinster schoolboy, uh, you know, which is obviously the pathway here. Um, I just my motivation was to try and play club rugby at, at a high level. Um, and I got I left well, my first club out of school was a club called Lansdowne, the old Lansdowne Road, that's where they play. Um, very historic club actually having a 150th anniversary this year. um, I did that for two years. I stayed there for two years. And then I got poached by a smaller club, a club called Frontarf, who are actually now the champions this year. They, when I joined them during Division Two. And I had a Kiwi, a New Zealander, called Brent Pope, who's very well known in Ireland as a TV. Well, he, he's, he's retired from it now, but he was a TV pundit for about 20 years. And to be honest, um, he made me the player that I became. Um, He spent some time with me after training Working on my ball carrying, he worked me really hard. He 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 believed in me. Um, he made me captain, and you know I think for, if I hadn't came across him, you know I I would have stayed playing and, and had a decent career as a club player. But I would never have, have got to live my dream, which is be a professional player for you know the good 14 years. And um, so yeah, I think everybody if you go through most players' stories there will be somebody in their life who's, you know, had them kind of cross that gap.
1: Are there lessons that he taught you that you apply as a coach nowadays?
0: Yeah, absolutely. He, he was very much um about, you know, uh, teamwork, team first, um, representing the jersey, you know, uh, being honest, um, you know, having respect for your opponents. Yeah, just simple values, but just really consistent in terms of, how he, he he led through those so i'm going to
1: switch gears a little bit so we're in year two now of the rebranded urc i'm really enjoying it quite a bit actually so you know just overall what are your overall impress, impressions of the competition in its new form
0: Ah, uh, look it's it's a, such a good competition now and um south africans have added so much to it i mean this time last year They'd lost seven of the first eight games. And yep. you no know, pundits like me were trying to get the public to to have faith, to believe that it would turn. Um obviously they went and had an all South African final. Um they have, you know, they've won it, you know, Stormers won it. And this year they've started with seven out of eight wins, you know, um, which is incredible. So um I think it's great. Uh, I think it's phenomenal. I'm gonna be watching the Sharks against against Leinster on Saturday in the RDS. Um, The Sharks are training at a school just around the corner from me. I'll go watch them train on Wednesday and chat to the coaches. Yeah, I think it's it's been brilliant.
1: So three of the four playoff spots, or I should say three playoff spots last year, were from the four new teams from South Africa. And then, as you know, well, by the end, Leinster found themselves on the outside looking in. Is that good for the competition? You know, it sounds like you have a real positive attitude about these new teams.
0: No, look, the, the the competition had gone stale, David. Um, it was nearly a formality that Leinster would win it. Um, and that's mm. not good. I mean, you know, you guys in America, um, you've got a much better system where there's salary caps. Everybody has a similar budget. Uh, there's a draft system, so the weak gets stronger. That's not the case here. I mean, Leinster financially um, have a far better budget than anybody else plus they have a, a pool of players um, coming through to private schools so um, that was becoming boring and i, and I think it didn't have leinster either and i'm a leinster man um predominantly uh, but we weren't able to win european cups because we were getting too easy in the in the in the urc or the, the old uh, pro 14 so i think these South african teams have wakened everybody up and um have added to the competition have a different way of playing and it's uh it's really impressive
1: if say i don't know the next four years in a row it's four more all south african finals will that impact the competition's popularity in ireland or in general
0: yeah no it'll it'll make it better i think um it'll make it better because as i said as a sports fan you know when you go to a stadium you you want to believe it's going to be a contest and Mm. There was far too high a percentage of of, of Irish teams winning at home. Uh, most of them are winning away as well. So I, I think that um, I think that absolutely it's it's reinvigorated the Irish public, and you know there's much more excitement about it than there was. <laughs>
1: So this season, Leinster they look right back on track to be on top of the table. Ulster looked very looked very strong, or they did until this past weekend. Um, Munster stumbled right a bit uh, out of the gates, and of course Connacht haven't gotten a single point yet. Um, last week on the Scrum Five podcast, you were asked if Munster are in crisis. Your answer was yes. They did bounce back this weekend. Has that crisis been averted?
0: Ah, uh, look, it's it's been averted in that they got a win, but they got a win against the team Zebra, who. Have made a bit of progress this year, you know, but they haven't, they're they have money game either. Um, and Munster at home against a team like Zebra. Like Munster would have a budget two and a half times, maybe three times the size of Zebra. So they got the win, but they didn't get a bonus point. Um, they were three tries to nil up at half time and, and ended up winning the match three tries to one. Uh so didn't go and get that fourth try, which would have given them an extra point. And they've got a huge game this weekend against um against Connacht. Look at they've changed coaching staff and, and I think that's positive. Um and it will take a while for the coach's message to, to really you know become second nature. But uh, I don't see the quality there in terms of playing squad to get Munster back to where they believe they should be, which is champions of Europe. You know they won two European Cups, in one in 2006, 2008. Uh, they were the best Irish province, but that's that's a long time gone. So um, they they have a lot of work to do.
1: So I'm somebody who, I don't know what it is inside me, but I always want to root for the underdog. And as such, I'm a conic supporter. They're the team I really love in the URC. But even I know, sitting here across an ocean, the Irish pecking order is always going to be Leinster at the top, Ulster and Munster both very strong. And the boys from Galway just kind of always bringing up the rear. Um, what hope could you give to a fan of Connick, somebody like me, uh, and what keeps bringing people to the sports ground, knowing that they're probably always going to be in fourth place uh, You know, in the provinces?
0: Hope. Hope is what brings them there. Um, Eternal optimist. I played there for five years. Um, it is difficult uh, when you're down there because traditionally the best players leave You know, to go play for other provinces who have a better chance to win the European Cup. Um, now they're in a Challenge Cup, which is... You know, a lot of players want to play in the European Cup, so um never mind win it. Uh financially they don't have the resources. Their academy so it, rugby isn't as popular in, in the west of Ireland in terms of it's very popular and, and there's some fans there who absolutely love it. People great rugby people, but they don't have the numbers, they don't have a number of schools, clubs playing playing the game. So um their academy isn't as strong as the other three provinces. Um but yet under day they can play great rugby and and they do attack. They have an attacking mindset and they're dogged. Um so yeah, uh, I would love to see them get more finance, more, more support from the RFU, um, to give them a, a, a chance. They're building a new stadium. And yeah, yeah building a new stadium which would be great, but they need a team that can, you know, attract the crowds in to to pay for it. So um yeah, I worry a little bit about my old team, uh, to be honest. I I worry about do they have the resources to, to stay at the top?
1: It's so nice to watch them play there. It's a gorgeous place to, to watch. I imagine it's a difficult place to play, but the, the swirling yeah. winds and, you know, the view over the bay, it's just a gorgeous place to watch. Yeah, the next stop,
0: next stop is the Atlantic. Um, and uh, the winds come in off the Atlantic coast. Um, next stop's New York, really. So uh, a <laughs> difficult, difficult place to throw the, the ball at the line-out, which I know all about, or goal kick um but yeah it's a it's a it's a unique environment and the fans like they might only be five or six thousand there for a game but wow they they let you know that they want connor to win and um you know they're they're a great addition to how,
1: how badly are they going to miss bundy Aki for the next uh probably seven more weeks now i guess
0: yeah so bundy obviously got um got suspended for a clean out eight week suspension but he'll He'll do a week tackle technique and get it reduced to seven. They really miss him, to be honest. Um, and they really miss their captain Jack Carty. Um mm-hmm. he's been out at the moment, but he may be back this week. So uh yeah, I, I think that was the last thing they needed was their their inspirational leader and talisman. um, you know, Bundy Aki being out for seven weeks. So I want to be
1: respectful of your time here, but I do want to ask you about Ireland. Ireland obviously have been on an absolute tear recently, setting records, particularly against New Zealand. They're currently ranked number one in the world for the men's side, at least. Do you think those rankings are an accurate reflection of reality? You know, how are you feeling about Ireland heading into the next six six nations, for instance?
0: Look, I'm really happy with the way Ireland are playing. I think um, they're playing a brand of rugby that's really attractive. Um, Beating the All Blacks psychologically for us is huge. You know, to beat them mm. over there, we, we beat the All Blacks in Chicago, we beat them in Dublin, but we never beaten them away from home. And um, you know, I, I think when you think back to England in 2003, before they won the World Cup, Clive Woodward, who's was coach, put a huge focus on beating the the, the big three South African, sorry, the big three Southern Hemisphere teams away from home in the lead up to it, and they did. And 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 he felt that was going to be huge for them. So it's a monkey off our back. Um, to beat the all blacks away the world rankings the number 1 in the world i mean i think that it's never been as competitive i think the top 6 teams south africa new zealand australia france england ireland um you know could beat anybody on any given day uh, and that's mm. that's been that's been shown in the rugby championship um so yeah i think the rankings you know we were number 1 in the world a year out from the japan world cup and we we failed miserably so I think we know we need to stay on top of it and keep evolving our game and keep finding new talent um, and uh, be ready for what's going to be an incredibly competitive World Cup.
1: Do players care about those rankings, or is it just kind of more noise in the background?
0: Players don't care. unless your coaches, get, coaches often have bonuses that they get an extra few quid oh. extra few money if you, if you get to number one in the world, uh, but players, no. They know it's, it's, um, it's very fickle and it's not going to be relevant for your next game.
1: So if you would, could you give us a player to watch out for over the next year or so? Maybe somebody who didn't even make the trip to New Zealand this past summer, but that you see making the leap to that next level, somebody we might see at the international level going forward?
0: Yeah, um, I, I love a, a loosehead prop uh, called Jack Boyle, um, who's in the Leinster system. Um, obviously, he's got to get ahead of Andrew Porter, Keen Healy, Ed Byrne. Um, but if he does, oh, that should,
1: that should be easy, right?
0: Yeah, no, no. Well, okay, hopefully they'll, <laughs> they'll miss some games because of, of the international rugby. But he's an incredibly explosive ball carrier. And um, while he's young, he's only 20, going 21. I, I expect him to have a huge future.
1: So I've been dying to ask this. So uh, one of the players that was the, one of the first who sort of just jumped off the screen to me that I was like, ooh, this guy, I love watching this guy, was John Cooney. Um, but it's been years now since he's gotten a sniff at that international squad. I, I'm developing a theory that maybe he accidentally ran over Andy Farrell's dog after a training session or something. Why can't John Cooney get back into the mix?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, what he does for Ulster is, is phenomenal. There's a feeling that maybe he needs to be the alpha male in the in the team, and uh, the, way, the way the relationship works with Ulster's ten. Is he's kind of the controller, the, the, as the French would say, the pity general. Um, but in Ireland, it's obviously Johnny Sexton who's the you know the the main man, and and um, obviously his goal kicking is massive for him for Ulster as well. But he he wouldn't get a chance to do that with Ireland. So um, and interestingly, actually, he may qualify for Scotland for this World Cup. But I know. Changing the laws. And if you haven't played international rugby for three years, you can go to another country that you're qualified for. And his dad is Scottish. So there's certainly rumors in the Irish press that he's somebody that Scotland will call upon if Ireland don't use him. And um, yeah, he, he definitely good enough to go to a World Cup for sure.
1: So as I said at the top, I'm just super happy to have you here today. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day. Um, I have a quick few questions for a sort of lightning round to close things out, if that's all right. Yeah. yeah. So these are all just quick ones. Who wins the URC this year? Answer, I have a feeling. Uh, who's going to win the Heidegger Cup this year? Oh, I like that. Interesting. Um, is there going to be a grand slam in the upcoming Six Nations? No, it's a really hard thing to do, right? It doesn't happen very often. Um Will Ireland get past the quarterfinals in the next World Cup? Yes. I, I, I had a feeling that would be your answer, so the next question is, when that does happen, are you worried that there might be a little bit of a letdown, like the, the relief of breaking through that sort of invisible barrier leading to a letdown in terms of intensity, or is that out of the question?
0: No, I don't think so. I think, um, I think this is going to be a very, uh, very experienced, focused Irish team. Um and if they manage to get past the final they'll they'll see themselves being 160 minutes away from potential greatness, and and, and will you know do, not get sidetracked by um by the hype or 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 the fact that they've done their job. But you know this will be the end. This will be an end, the end for a lot of great Irish players.
1: Is this one of the greatest years you've ever seen for Irish rugby?
0: Yeah, I think it is. Obviously, we. Um, well, yeah, New Zealand is like New Zealand for us was was absolutely massive, and I know people say they were in a bit of turmoil, um, but to lose the first test and and to go and win the next two and win it convincingly, um, I think puts our will be on a on another level because mm. one thing beating this, you know, winning the Six Nations which we've done before, but for us there's always been an aura about the All Blacks, and uh, now we can genuinely say, look, we're we're not inferior to them. We may not be as good as the next year, but we, we don't have to worry about, you know, we don't lose the game before the game.
1: Those did not look like fluke wins either. It didn't feel like, oh, just by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin. Chin. Those felt like, you know, statement wins.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So final question, and this one's really just for me. Do Connacht have a chance against Munster this weekend?
0: Yeah, they do, because they don't need Munster firing on all cinders, but they're going to need to dig deep. They're coming off three big losses. Um, but there is, they are going back to the sports ground. It's a uh, it's a new four G pitch. I'm really fascinated to see how they react to that and if, if that suits them. And um, yeah, they've got a fighting chance.
1: How do you feel about those artificial turfs? Anyway, they, these four G pitches, good thing, bad thing, dangerous?
0: I'm not a fan, to be honest. Not a fan. No, yeah. No, no,
1: no. Well, Bernard Jackman, I just couldn't be happier. I feel very lucky to have had some time to chat. You are an absolute legend of Irish rugby and a world-class pundit, and frankly, an awesome guy. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Scrum of the Earth.
0: No, uh, I look at, glad to be on, and, and um uh, uh, hope you'll have me back. And uh, best of luck with it. I love what you're doing. And um, thanks for being so flexible as well in terms of my schedule. It's been, it's been brilliant. Well,
1: thank you again for your time and your insights. Have a smashing week. Enjoy round four of the URC this weekend. And, yeah, I hope to talk. Maybe, maybe we'll chat again uh, before or just after Six Nations. And, uh, anyway, sometime in the not-too-distant future. My pleasure well my friends that does it for another great bonus episode i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did bernard of course can be found writing for the independent among other publications he's Talking All Things Rugby for the RTE podcast. And you can find me on Twitter, at Bernard Jackman, all of which, of course, I've linked in the show notes, as always. So, to everybody out there, thank you again for coming along, to all of you across the globe. Cheers, talk to you soon, and be well.